Oh, we're so glad that uh, you're here for part three of this series. We're calling Life, Money, Hope. If you're just joining us, we're doing something that uh, we really don't do that often as a church, especially in a series, and that is talk about uh, what the Bible says about money, and even more than that, how it affects our life, how it affects our hope, how it affects our future. Now today, I get to launch for us, I'm so excited I get to do this, I get to launch our initiative that we do every year. And this season we're stepping into, we have a plan as a church for how we are going to be more generous and be a blessing to others. And I want to tell you uh, the plan But first, I've got some thoughts for you. Uh, There's a phrase that we always hear this time of year, and a lot of people don't know this, but the phrase actually originated with Jesus, and it's found in Acts 20, 35. Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said, if you want to be more blessed, if you want to experience blessing, if you want to experience a better life, a happy life, a more fulfilling life, it actually comes through giving. It comes through acts of generosity. But the challenge is we often think that being blessed means having more. We think blessing means more for ourselves. When the reality is to really experience a blessed, a better, a more significant, more confident, happier, more fulfilling life, We must give more. And if you're taking notes, we need to understand and embrace this biblical truth that the key to the blessed life is a heart of generosity. If you want to be more blessed, you will be more blessed when you become more generous. Now, there is a moment in our lives where each and every one of us are reminded of this on a deep level. And that moment is when we attend a funeral. Growing up, a pastor's kid, serving in ministry, I've been to a lot of funerals. And you know what we don't celebrate at funerals? Accumulation. There's pictures of people, not pictures of stuff. We read off the wonderful, generous, selfless things they did in their life. We don't read off bank numbers. Never been to a funeral where there was a bank number report. What do we do? We celebrate how much of a life was given away. And the more of the life was given away, the more selfless, the more generous they were, the more honored they were, a better legacy that they left, and you can see it, the stronger that their family is. And we notice that the more selfless and generous a person was, the more blessed they were. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 is going to put it this way. One man gives freely. What happens to him? Yet he gains even more. Another withholds unduly. What happens to him? Comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I love that line. If you need to be refreshed, I don't know how many times in my life where I've been in a funk, I've been down, the thing that snapped me out of it is give something away. Because he who refreshes others will he himself be refreshed. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9. It's one of my favorites. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And any farmer knows, actually, if you've ever even just planted grass seed, you know that the more you put down, the more you get back. The more you, you invest into the ground, the bigger harvest you're going to have. So with that in mind, that whoever sows generously will also reap generously, 
Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You've heard pastors say this before. The the Greek word for cheerful there is actually hilarious. It's hilarious giver. Someone that goes, wow, we get to give. You believe it's so exciting? God's blessed us with more than we need so we can be a blessing to others. And you look crazy because you're excited about giving. In the Old Testament, God would set up whole festivals and feasts and a party around people giving their offerings. It was God's way. He says, I want you to have a party and celebrate that you're blessed to be a blessing. And I want you to celebrate the offerings. And we're going to have a hilarious party to celebrate. This is why we play an upbeat song at the end of the service when we give our offerings. Because we're cheerful givers. We want to play a happy song. And when you are generous, here are the blessings promised to you. Goes on and says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You'll be made rich in every way. Every way. What does every way include? It includes blessed financially. Even more so, you can be blessed with a deep, rich, satisfying, growing marriage, friendships that last for years. You can be blessed physically as well. Not so that you could enjoy it all for yourself, but so that, he continues, you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, when you study that passage, you see the balance that we must come to. The balance that we must come to understand when we approach finances and giving and how God deals with us in that. Um, Because prosperity theology says that God wants you wealthy so that you can be wealthy, that God wants you in favor so that you can be in favor, and then that proves your standing with God, and, and we are not of that opinion. That's not true. But then there's another extreme um, that is the poverty theology. It's, also called, it's actually called the ascetic gospel, and asceticism is a doctrine that says God loves you more when you're suffering, and God loves you more when you're in poverty, And that there's something holy um, about having no indulgence at all and and just having nothing and and holy about suffering. And that's not true either. There's uh, verses in the Bible in in 1 Timothy, it says, God provides everything for our enjoyment. God does not mind you having stuff, but it's a heart issue. And we understand that. It's It's not good to forget who the real source is. And that is God. I tell you, God doesn't, God doesn't want you feeling guilty if you're well off. He wants you feeling responsible. And doesn't want you feeling bad about your position or the stuff you have. He says, let's just learn to steward it the best way we can. And God will bless you with more than you need so that you can be a blessing to other people. And we try very hard as a church to demonstrate that, uh, that you can trust us with more than we need because we'll try to be the best blessing we can. So all year long, our church, our congregation brings the tithe, a a tenth, 10% of what we make. And God set that up. The church didn't invent that. God set that up. He set that up before the law. It was confirmed in the law and it's confirmed throughout scripture 
And in fact, it's the only thing that God says that you can test him with. He says, bring it. Bring the tenth and see if I won't. God's saying it as a positive. He says, bring, bring the tenth, bring the tithe, and see if I won't bless you. See if I won't do it. Test me. Have you ever tried? Have you ever tested him on it? He says, bring it. And he says, I'll show you that 90% with me is better than 100% without me. And I remember when I got my first job, I started getting paid. And I was thinking, man, 10%, that's a lot. And then I heard someone say, really? Because I thought the 90% he let me keep was a lot. He could have flipped it. I'll never forget this. God could have done anything he wanted. He could have said, you bring 90 back and keep 10. No, he says, bring back 10. Remember where you got it. Remember whose it really is. And the genius behind it being a percentage is that everyone sacrifices the same. So whether you bring back three, four, five, six figures or three, four, five, six dollars, the sacrifice is the same. So, so we bring our tithes, our tenth, all year, and you need to know that as a church with what you give, we tenth that. We tithe. We demonstrate this. And we give away the first fruits of what we as a congregation bring. And we invest in a lot of places, locally, nationally, internationally, and we partner with some great organizations and individuals. And uh, I just want to tell you what those are. We give to uh, every month, all year long. Um, and I'll just read these off. I've got them separated locally, nationally, and internationally. And so here are the organizations we partner with. I'll just read these to you. These aren't on the screen. But locally, we give to Heart and Hand, which is a local food bank and benevolence, Caring for the Heart, a local counseling ministry. Forest Avenue is a Kansas City homeless shelter. City Union Mission, a Kansas City homeless shelter. Life Choice Center, a crisis pregnancy center in Cass County. Hope Haven, a domestic abuse shelter in Cass County. Nationally, we give to ARC, which is a national church planning organization that's doing amazing things. Mid-America Mission, uh, that's a Bible camp in Arkansas. Rockbridge Seminary, that's training pastors and church leaders. RBC, that's Radio Bible Class and Our Daily Bread. And the Red Church, which is a new church plant in Virginia Beach, Virginia, that we're supporting. Internationally, we give to Kids International Ministries, that's children's homes and orphanages and schools in Manila and Mindanao in the Philippines. First Love, that's sex trafficking rescue in Manila and an orphanage in Nepal. Tell Asia, that's church planting and pastor training in India. United World, church planting in Moscow, Russia. Voice of the Martyrs, persecuted church globally. And then Josh and Sarah Radomsky, that's church planting, pastor training, and economic development in Kazakhstan. Uh, so all of those ministries and missions we've vetted, and we regularly give $10,000 a month to these ministries and missions. And then we go over and above uh, for special needs throughout the year. And I could give you so many stories of how we're able to immediately help uh, those needs that they have. Uh, I could tell you so many. I'll tell you one real quick. Uh, Dave Clinton, he's with First Love in the Philippines. Many of you know Dave. He's come a couple times and done an interview, played with the band and stuff. And he called us a couple weeks ago, and he said that they had rescued some young girls out of a pornography racket. And he needed to get more security needed to hire some more security uh, right away. And he called us, and because of your generosity and because we operate with margin, 
we were able to help like that day. Like go get them, go do it, keep those girls safe and we're able to help. And I can tell you story after story and, and you did that. And that's amazing. You helped those girls and that's so wonderful. And we're able to do things like that often. My wife works for a major hospital in the area and maybe like where you work, like the company you work for or something, the company has charities that they want their employees to give to. Almost all, they're just amazing charities doing amazing things. I don't have anything against them. But I'll tell you that Lauren and I decided that we were going to bring our tenth to our local church like the Bible instructs us to do. And then almost everything above and beyond that tenth we're going to bring to the local church too. Because I've seen under the hood of this thing And honestly, I believe it's the best dollar I could give because it's doing amazing things, amazing work, and it's done in Jesus' name. So you need to know that it's not enough to just help someone. God has a higher calling than that. He says, I want you to help someone, but I want you to help them in Jesus' name. And the church, it's our responsibility to bring people the gospel and to make a difference for eternity And so, yes, bring them a cup of cold water. Yes, bring them clothes. Yes, meet the need, but do it in Jesus' name and make a difference in their eternal life. And that's the church's responsibility. And so we make it account. We make a difference for eternity. So as a church, we do that all year. And then we like to, in this season of generosity, take what we call the celebration offering. And if you've been around for a while, you're familiar with the celebration offering. And that offering goes to giving to all those ministries and missions that I just mentioned. And we like to give them, we like to surprise them with an extra month. And it's a lot of fun. They're not counting on it. They're not expecting it. But we surprise them with an extra month of support. And then our hope is that there will be uh, some giving above and beyond what that would take that we could do some things around here. So um, we're going to help them first. And then, and then there's some things we'd like to do, some things that need updated. We'd like to do some things to get more seats in here, to get more parking, to update some things. And we'd really rather not take on debt to do it. Uh, so if you give and continue to, to tithe and to give, we can do it if you don't. We won't. So you play an instrumental part of that. And so that's the celebration offering. And we're not even taking it today. Um, We tell you that ahead of time because we're not trying to do this under compulsion. I'm telling you this ahead of time. So you just think about it and you can give whatever you've decided in your heart to give. The first time we'll take that offering is at the night of worship. That's going to be an incredible night, uh, November 20th at five o'clock. And then you could give to the celebration offering throughout the end of the year. Just designate uh, you're, you're giving online or on a check or whatever to that. And so that's the celebration offering. I hope that's super clear. I hope that's exciting. Excites the fire out of me, I got to tell you. I love being a part of this church with all of you who know that it's more blessed to give. Uh, you guys are amazing. I love being a part of this place that's so full of integrity and generosity. I wake up every day and thank God that Pastor Kelly Walters, my pastor, and that he leads with integrity and, and generosity. Now, with all that said, uh, here's a question that I want uh, you to think about. Knowing that it's more blessed to give than receive, uh, why are, aren't people more generous? Studies say that by and large, the more Americans make, 
the less they give. The income goes up, study after study shows this. Income goes up, percentage of giving goes down. And the most generous people in our nation are actually the poor. And the answer is because too many of us have the wrong mindset. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about three different mindsets. The first one, if you're taking notes, is sadly where many, many people live today. And that is in the bag mindset. The bag mindset, if you'd write that in. People with a bag mindset say, you know, uh, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. We'd like to give, but we simply do not have enough to give. And maybe you can relate to this passage. This has been kind of a theme passage for this series in Haggai. It says, you eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them into a bag with holes in it. And you've got this bag, and you fill it up with monthly income. And every month, it seems like there's holes in the bag. And no matter how hard you try... It seems like there's just not that much left over. And whatever comes in seems to go out. And you get upset that there's not enough in the bag. And you take on this mindset of, I can't let anything out of this bag because there's already holes in it. So I can't give out of the top because there's holes in the bottom and, and we don't have enough. And every time you start to get ahead, something breaks. And something bad happens. And it's like, yep, there's holes in it. How could I give out of a bag that's got holes in it? What's interesting is when you look at scripture, there's a guy in the New Testament that was really consumed with what was in the bag. And his name was Judas. He was the guy who carried around the money. He was the treasurer for the disciples. And he was so consumed with what was in the bag, even so much that when an immoral woman who Jesus uh, saved, when she came, uh, her act of worship was she broke open a bottle of perfume that was worth about one year's wages. And the disciples, including Judas, and I can only imagine led by Judas, scoffed. And they said, no, what are you doing? All the money. He was so consumed with what was in the bag. So consumed that he betrayed Jesus because of his bag mindset. And he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver in a little bag. And the same thing people do today, and people don't give today, and scripture says that the tithe belongs to God, and people don't do that today because they're more concerned with what's in the bag than they are with obeying God and honoring God. And we'd say, we'd love to give, but my bag's got holes in it, so I can't pull out more money out of this bag. And the enemy, I'll tell you what, the enemy will do whatever he possibly can to keep you from becoming a generous person. Because he knows it's more blessed to give than to receive. And it scares the fire out of him that you would be blessed. He can't have you blessed. So he'll keep you from being generous. The second mindset is number two, the basket. And this is the person who believes that, this is the person who's been faithful with what's in the bag. And now they believe that they've got more than enough. Because God is an abundant God. And he says, we can give freely. Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 4, says, The fruit of your womb, I read that earlier, I said the fruit of the loom. (laughs) The The fruit of your womb will be blessed. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. 
And you'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Your basket will be blessed. Jesus gave an interesting story one time, a teaching about a basket. And he said, give and it will be given unto you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be given to you. What was he doing? He was talking about a basket. When Jesus was teaching, he was teaching to a group that certainly would have understood what the farmers or the landowners would do when they harvested grain. Uh, So once they had a lot of grain, there would be two kinds of people that would come and fill the baskets. There were the day laborers, those who would work for money, and when they would fill the baskets, they wouldn't fill them up all the way because they had to carry them back. And they didn't want to work too hard, uh, so they wouldn't shake it down. They wouldn't press it down. Uh, They'd fill it up maybe two-thirds of the way so they could carry it back and not work too hard. There were other people who didn't have much, and the master would be so generous that the landowner would say at the end of the day, you're welcome to come bring your baskets and have what is left over. So these people were very hungry, and how do you think they would fill up the basket? With good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, they'd get the air out. So they could get it all in there and be running over as they carry it home. And because of the master's generosity, their basket would run over. And that is the kind of God we worship. He's the God of abundance. That when we are faithful with little and we're faithful with what's in the bag, he can trust us with more. Jesus fed 5,000 out of what? Out of a boy's basket. There kept being more story says that once it was all done, there were baskets left over. I pray that God will stretch your faith out of the bag mindset into the basket mindset, which is a mindset that knows that I serve a God who's more than enough. And if I honor him, and and if, if I honor him and I'm faithful to him with this and honor him with little, there will be more than enough. And you can say, you know what? We have more than we need. We really do. We have way more than we need. And then because we have that heart of generosity, we're not going to assume that it's all for us. Instead, we're going to realize that we're blessed to be a blessing. So not only do you bring your tenth to the church, but you give offerings whenever you can and you realize that you're, you're blessed to be a blessing and that's why it's, you become a cheerful giver and that's why you become hilarious in it because you start to become kingdom-minded and you see what's going on and what this person wants to do for the kingdom or what you could do for the kingdom and someone comes to you and they want to go on a mission trip or something and you say, I don't have to pray about it. That's what God wants and you can give and, and you get to be part of expanding the kingdom and you become so joyful in it and you just jump in and say, I can meet that need. Why? Because your basket's overflowing. Now the third type of mindset, and if we're faithful with what's in the bag and then faithful with what's in the basket, we experience this and that's the barn mindset. And this is the mindset of the one who has experienced and knows that we serve a God that is infinitely more than enough. Deuteronomy 28 says the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord, will God will, the Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. So imagine this. Imagine you are faithful with what's in the bag and then you're faithful with what's in the basket. And then one day, it's like God gives you barns that are overflowing. Joseph experienced this in the Old Testament. Joseph was... You know his story, he was abandoned by his brothers and he was in the pit, but he was faithful to God in the pit. And then he ended up in prison, but he was faithful to God in the prison. 
And then God established him in a palace and he was faithful to God in the palace. And they were in a time of plenty and he was faithful with what God had given them. So when a famine swept over the land, he says, I got barns that are overflowing and he was able to feed all of Egypt because his barns were overflowing. When you're faithful to God, he will use you to bless many because your barns will be overflowing. Here's the deal though. God wants to know how much he can bless you with. Are you going to be a bag person? It says, no, there's not enough. Are you going to be a basket person who's been faithful and their, their basket's overflowing? They realize that they're blessed to be a blessing. Or will you have even such great faith that you're going to say, you know, this stuff, none of it's really for me. And I would, I'm going to give generously because I have a barn mindset and I serve a God who is my source and he is infinitely more than enough. God wants to know how much he can bless you with. Luke 16 says, whoever can be trusted with very little, what's in the bag, can also be trusted with much, what's in the barn. And whoever is dishonest with very little, the bag, will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? You ever um, play that game where you like uh, think about what you'd do if you had a million dollars. Man, if we won the lottery, this is what we would do. Well, I can tell you exactly what I would do and what you would do with a million dollars. We'd do exactly what we do with a thousand or exactly what we do with a hundred because whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. Who's ever trusted with very little could be trusted with much. What's amazing is I will get to find out one day what I did with a million dollars. I'll be able to look over my life and say, that's what I did with a million dollars. I'll just have done it with very little chunks at a time. (laughs) So what are you going to do? Questions back at you. What are you going to do with a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever you're going to make in your life, whatever resources God gives you? Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. And it could have just stopped right there. God had every right to just end that verse right there. It says, Honor me with it. I'm worthy. I'm God. I created you. I gave it to you. Honor me with it. How amazing that it goes on and says, Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. God is saying, I'd like to give you barn blessings. But too many of you think that it's all for you. It's not all for you because I want you to be more blessed, having more than enough so that you could be a blessing to others because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus told a parable one time in Luke 12. He told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. This guy was super blessed. He thought to himself, what shall I do? So he's already forgetting God and he's looking within. And he's saying, I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. And he makes an assumption. He's assuming God will let him live much longer. He says, I'll take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Dropping down to verse 20. He says, but God said to him, you fool. This very night, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. 
then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. And you need to see this, that Jesus was not mad at the man for being rich. He was the one who blessed the man. He's the one who brought him the rain, gave him the ability to work the land, gave him the land on which it grew. Jesus is mad because the man had a barn blessing with a bag mindset. He had infinitely more than enough, but he had a mindset that says, I don't have enough. This won't be enough. I need bigger barns. I need more stuff to store what is mine. And he thought everything that was in the barn was for him. But the key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity. And I believe that God wants to bless your life. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray together. Well, God, we just pause now and and we ask you to forgive us when we forget that you are the God that spoke everything into existence. God, forgive us when we trust what's in the bag more than we trust you. God, give us faith to be generous, even when we don't feel like we can, even when it's scary. God, there's so many moments in life where it can be scary to honor you, to obey you. But God, give us the faith to do it, even when we don't feel like we can. And like the poor widow who walks into the temple and gives all that she has, God, give us to the faith to believe that you are a good, good God. We just pause and remember today that God so loved the world that he gave, gave his one and only son. Maybe you realize right now that you're not walking with God. You're not even sure where you stand with God. You may have been in church a long time, but you say, I don't, I don't really know him. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, the son of God, who was born and lived a perfect and sinless life. He shed his blood on a cross and he died in your place and he rose again as the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. And perhaps that's why you're here today, to be made right with God. Scripture tells us that no good work will do it. It's only by the grace of God that you can be saved. It's not by works. It's not by giving. It's by believing. The Bible says it's the gift of a generous God. Salvation is the gift of God that comes by grace through faith when you believe that Jesus is enough. And what happens when you believe that Jesus is enough? He's infinitely more than enough. You receive life. And if you recognize this, this is your moment to believe that. Just put your faith in him now. Say in your heart, Lord, I need you. I need someone who's strong enough to save. I don't need another system. I don't need another process. I don't need another religion. I need someone. I need a savior. I need a person who's strong enough to save. I need you, God. And Jesus, I trust you and I believe that you're alive and that you can make me right with God and give me eternal life. It's through Jesus' name I pray. Amen.